I'm not suggesting in my youth I didn't enjoy <laughs> a weekend or a week in Magaluf or a big yeah. I'm, all, I'm a big fan of lifelong learning, but I do feel there's a point where the learning has to stop and the action has to start. I was at university for three years. I learned more in three weeks working yeah. in Andy's entrepreneurial organization. I just, uh, literally just got home from the office. It feels weird to me. This afternoon, it's 5.30, is that afternoon or evening? I don't know. Uh, I'm, gonna be, I'm being interviewed for the In The Deep podcast with David yeah, Kelly. And uh, I thought I'd broadcast it live for you here as well. So um, here goes. Apparently, this podcast is all about developing a strong mindset. It's about overcoming adversity and good stuff like that. So, um, Dave, I'm in your hands. Over to you. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, just give a, a little brief one-minute introduction to, to who you are and what your business does, really. Yeah, of course. Uh, happy to. So, well, first of all, thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. So, um, I'll try and keep it brief as much as I can. So, um, I've been in the personal development world since I was 12 years of age when I yeah. uh, was... Um, I travelled all across the world with my mum, went to a Tony Robbins seminar in Hawaii, and kind of got hooked in the kind of um, personal development, self-improvement world, um, and thought to myself, even from a really young age, I'd love to work in this world, this environment, um, whether that's working for another company, whether it's having my own business. Yeah. At first, I, um, I quite like the idea of actually working for Tony Robbins business, um, and so I volunteered a lot for his company um, in the state, Australia, all over Europe. Um, so you know, I was I was very well travelled as a as a yeah, young yeah. teens, um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess always really felt like I had a call in to operate. I'd been working in sales and marketing for an NLP training company. So I set up um, my first business in two thousand eight as a copywriter, as a um, marketing consultant, if you like, for NLPs and coaches. Um, and over the last 12 years, that's grown. Um, and, you know, today we run um, pretty large scale events in London, speak all over the world, um, sharing sales and marketing messages with yeah. mostly people in the expert business. So coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, agencies, that kind of group. And so what got you in that mindset to start with? Because most young people go and do a season in Ibiza or Magaluf or they go and work, you know, what, what got you down that path? Were you always destined for the personal development? Yeah. And by the way, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting in my youth, I didn't enjoy <laughs> a weekend or a week in Magaluf or Ibiza yeah. or any of those places. Absolutely did. No, I mean, my, uh, I mean, I often tell the story at my events. I, um, at 12, um, you know, like most 12-year-old kids, I'm going to school. Um, my mum basically says to me, I'm going to Hawaii for two weeks. Do you want to come? Um, yeah. And on, like, the, the choice was go to Hawaii for two weeks, um, which, let's face it, is pretty damn amazing. Um, yeah, you go on. Or stay at home or stay at my nan's in Birmingham and go to school. <laughs> so there wasn't much of a difficult job. I thought to myself, how bad can this, how bad can yeah. the kind of Tony Robbins thing be? I go, it's probably American, it's all happy clappy, but like, how bad can it possibly be? If it's two weeks in Hawaii, like, I'll take it. So, um, and absolutely loved it. It was, it was, that was the start really. And then um, I guess I kind of became addicted in a good way. Um, you know, yeah. you can hear the term seminar junkie being banded around. Yeah. And I probably was that actually in my teenage years, but you know, when I think about traditional education, which I still got the benefit of, and also what I'd call an alternative education, you know, going all over the world, um, learning NLP and, and coaching skills and being at these events with Tony Robbins was, was a great um, grounding for me. And funny enough, I was having this conversation with, um, with one of my friends recently, and, and really, when it comes to like being a speaker, um, and you know, I did have some formal speaker training, but I literally spent... I wouldn't want to count how many days it, it would be in, I bet you it was in excess of a hundred days throughout my teenage years, lot in the room watching Tony Robbins on stage. Yeah. So just by osmosis, you learn <laughs> observation, like techniques, you learn how to use tonality, you learn, you, you learn how to use the stage, you learn how to do all these things to have an impact. And, and actually, you know, I think, inadvertently that was the ultimate speaker training was just being around it loads 
So yeah, uh, yeah I've, and and my hunger kind of came from there. Um, and I was very fortunate. I do count myself very lucky. But as you said, I think you've still got to make the choice. And I still yeah, you do. have to make sacrifices at that age to not do certain things so that I could spend time yeah. traveling the world doing that instead. Yeah. And just a point you put on there, because you said you were kind of a, a seminar junkie, if you like. And there seems to be a lot of people popping up in the personal space right now is how do business owners or how does somebody who's looking for help or maybe is going from seminar to seminar and, and taking it all in, how do you find the right people? How do you find the right person that's going to help you the best to, uh, because a lot of people go seminar to seminar and then do nothing with it. Yeah. So I think it's actually less about finding the right people. I think you'll probably, um, I can't really advise on that. I think you'll just feel a natural, um, certain people, their message um, will resonate with you. Maybe it's their background, some of the challenges they've experienced in the past, whatever it is. Um, for me, actually, what, what resonated with me, really, when I think about it, I mean, I, I, I big Tony Robbins up a lot. I think he's amazing. Um, and, you know, he's really the, like the founder, the creator of, of the whole industry. And, you know, I, yeah. I benefit, I've benefited from that industry massively. You know, I've yeah. built a number of successful businesses on the back of, um, you know, his success in many respects. So um, I've got to give credit where it's due. I think you find the person that resonates with you. And, and you know, for me, as a, you know, in my teens, like, I loved music and I loved dance and I loved like that high energy environment. And so yeah. you know, to be able to get that high energy environment alongside some really valuable learning that I felt was going to help me. And, you know, like most teenagers, I was pretty low on, com on self-confidence yeah. as a teenager. You know, I didn't, <clears throat> I wouldn't say that, you know, I was rocking around, you know, uh, full of, full of confidence and, um, you know, would back myself in any environment. That definitely wasn't the case, but I think that, you know, that, that learning through my teenage years kind of helped me. I think the key thing with, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this and they're like, yeah, I can hear what Dave's saying. I go from seminar to seminar, watch videos, listen to podcasts, and nothing seems to change. And actually, I think that's where um, I use the term seminar junkie, and I definitely was one of them. Um, but I think you've got a, there's a time where there's, I'm, I'm, all, I'm a big fan of lifelong learning, but I do feel there's a point where the learning has to stop and the action has to start. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm not, I probably coasted for the, you know, for um, my late teens and early twenties before I really started getting into what I would deem serious action. Um, so I think, I think it's really a case of balancing learning and action and i think if all you ever do if you think that attending the seminar is taking the action you're yeah. mistaken um going you know going to the seminar or watching the video or listening to the podcast is a good investment of time but there's a certain time when that needs to stop and then the action needs to start and, I, and so you know all of my events without fail i always finish with a very simple exercise um but it's designed to collate all of your thoughts and ideas and notes that you've learned over the last day, two days, three days, whatever it is, and get a, get a clear, here are the most important things I've got from the last day, two days, yeah. three days, and here are the specific actions <clears throat> to take and the order of importance that I'm going to take them so that yeah. you don't just coast from one learning experience to the next and never do anything with it. Yeah. And what, at what point did you realize right now's the time to take action? And now's the time to, to head off on my own business journey. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I took a series of actions. When I look back, um, I'm probably overly self-critical because you know I took I took the decision when I was I don't know 21 uh, to leave university. Or, you know, I hadn't hadn't graduated. All my friends were still still there um, studying and and getting their degree, and I made the decision to leave university. Um, basically uproot my whole life and move to Kent um, to take a job in sales for this NLP training company run yeah. by called Andy Harrington. I credit Andy as, you know, yeah. one of my mentors and now one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, so I went and worked for Andy and that was a big action. And the main reason for that action was I felt that with everything I'd learned and the experiences I've been lucky enough to have, that continuing on the path that I was on, going through university or studying business studies, um, I felt, yes, I'll get a degree. Yes, I'll go and get a good job. 
my concern was that in maybe 10 or 15 years time, I'd, I'd wind up doing something that I didn't love and, that, and I'd missed the opportunity. So I took the drastic action when that opportunity presented itself to leave the university and go and take that job. And, um, and it was the best decision I ever made because it put me around people who were very ambitious, uh, you know, and I learned more. I often say this, I was at university for three years. I learned more in three weeks working yeah. in Andy's entrepreneurial organization than I did in three years at university. And it's actually a piece of advice I give regularly when you know, people ask me about getting started in business. And I, I honestly think the best training you can get to start a business is to go and work in a small entrepreneurial business yeah, yeah. and see it up close and personal. I, I could not have bought, I mean, it doesn't get any better. I was paid by Andy for about 18 months to have a front row seat in sales, marketing, public speaking, um, yeah. how to run a business financially, all of the stuff that I needed to learn that I could never have learned at that level at university, I, yeah. I learned and got paid, well paid to do it. So that when the time came to take the next drastic action and go out on my own um, and start my own business, I felt that I had enough, um, I, I'd got the experience to do it and do it well. Yeah. And I think that's important. And that's, that's a great bit of advice for anybody um, listening there is, if you go and work for a startup or you go and work for a small business, or if you go and work yeah. somewhere, then you learn things you would never learn in large corporates and you uh, know, large I businesses. Getting, I think getting a job gets a bad rep. It's like almost like if you're an entrepreneur and you get a job, that's admitting defeat or failure. And it's totally not that. I think it's actually smart. Um, literally the best investment of 18 months I ever made um, was going and taking that job and working for Andy because yeah. um, I couldn't have learned that anywhere else. And, and by the way, I had no clue before I took that job what it really took yeah, yeah. to be an entrepreneur and run a business. It taught me all the good stuff that I needed to learn. It also let me see up close and personal how hard it is, how much stick you have to take, um, you know, how many bumps in the road there are going to be. Um, and it really prepared me in the best do you way. Think, do you think people now who are thinking of setting a business up who are maybe haven't either run a business before or haven't worked in a smaller business, had the involvement you had, do you think Instagram and the life as portrayed of an entrepreneur is a sexy, sexy life? And really, the reality is the hard work, the slog, what goes in behind the scenes. Do you think people who don't know, don't think it is like that. Yeah, I, th I think um, it's interesting. You reference Instagram, and I think there are a number of, I hate the phrase, influencers on, uh, on Instagram and other platforms that portray it as, you know, this, you know, like the dream and, you know, the, you know, the financial success and the freedom and the lifestyle and all that, and don't really paint a fair picture of the, uh, the hard work that it takes to get there. Um, there are actually, and I think this has probably been more common over the last five years, there's definitely a growing trend in that space of, of influencers and, and people that are, what of a better expression, gurus of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they're starting to talk more about, look, like Gary Vee is a great example, hard work, hustle, yeah. patience, it takes time. And I think that's a fairer reflection. And the, the truth is, like, I think both are true in different ways um you know it's like i've had to work longer hours and put up with more stick and um take bigger risks and have to get over bigger setbacks than yeah. anybody i know who has a job um and also i get all the upside yeah, um, yeah. And, and of course a lot of times people only see the upside and i do think that there are some of these influence and so-called gurus that paint the picture of all the success, but don't yeah. fully explain the hard work. And I go, look, the, tr the truth is the success is great. The hard work is a pain in the ass at times, but you don't get one without the other. Unless, yeah, you, know, yeah. unless you get very, very lucky, which there are a handful, you know, that there's a tiny percentage of people that just got lucky um, and had an overnight success. But the old adage is true. It takes a long time to become an overnight success. 
It does. And, and that, that's one of the reasons I start this podcast is because when you talk to successful people, one thing that everybody's got is a story. Nobody is an overnight or very rarely you're an overnight success. So what, what's one of your biggest... Well, days, anyone that's become an overnight success, the big hit is round the corner. It will come at some point. <laughs> like if you've been the overnight success, be prepared for a big drop so that you can rebuild later because there's no, no way that it's going to be plain sailing. So what's one of your biggest setbacks that you've had in business then, Nick? Yeah, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> there's, there's been plenty. Um, there's two big ones that um, when I get asked that question or questions like it normally come up. Um, so one was actually, um, by the way, both of which were the most valuable learning experience I've ever had. So I would, I would yeah. never, I would, you know, if I had my time again, I would absolutely do the same thing because I think the lessons were critical. So um, the, the first one was probably circa 2012, I'm going to say, roughly. Um, had a really big setback in that I, I was, because my background was sales and marketing, I was good at that. I was always pretty yeah. good at the bringing in sales and, and getting clients. That bit was, was fairly, um, came naturally to me. Um, but when it came to like organization and systems and processes and planning, yeah was not a strong suit um, and financial management was not a strong suit either you can probably see where this is going so, yeah, yeah. so consequently around 2012 um i'd done a pretty good job of sales and marketing and generated you know, got clients and got quite a, a decent amount of income um but what i hadn't done was being organized and forward thinking enough to work out how was i going to deliver a great experience serve these clients at the highest level um, to make sure they were happy and they were satisfied. Um, and I hadn't managed the financials particularly well. So consequently, what happened was I had a bunch of clients that were dissatisfied, wanted the money back. And because of poor financial management, I didn't have the money. Um, yeah. And it was, in, like, it was incredibly painful at the time because I'd not had to deal with anything like that before. So all of a sudden I've got dissatisfied customers, I've got threats, I've got legal stuff going on. I haven't got any cash to deal with it. Um, in the end... I managed to work it out. I took a big personal loan to pay off the clients yeah. so, uh, to refund them and make sure they were, they were seen right. Um, and I mean, it, it took me a while to pay that debt down. And But I don't think I could have learned the lesson if it hadn't been that painful. Yeah. So, you know, from that day on, I, I vowed, I was like, right, you know, client experience, customer service, being forward thinking, good financial management is so critical. Um, and, you know, I had a painful lesson to teach me that. So um, that, I think, has stood me in really good stead to what we do today, um, which actually, you know, the business model itself isn't that different, um, although we operate at a much bigger scale than we did back then. Yeah. But there's no way in the world we could, like right now, we've got um, over 150 people in our coaching program. So paying yeah. or group coaching or private coaching um, in our companies. And like back then I had like 12. So we're yeah, probably yeah. more than 10 times the size, a number of clients, and we're able to serve them at a way better level because I learned that lesson. Um, yeah. And uh, so I often share that as probably one of the biggest setbacks, even though it wasn't huge, um, it felt huge at the time. And you know, comparatively speaking to where I was in business, it was extremely painful. How did you deal with that mentally? What was the mental side of... of going on in your head when when all of this was happening and your first hit if you like um you know financially and 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 how how did you cope with that mentally what was going on i mean i'd never dealt with anything like that before so i, I did i really struggled and i think one of my greatest gifts or, or or i think the thing that i'm most that i count as my biggest blessing really is that over the years i've built such an amazing group of people around me that that I can turn to for advice and guidance who are who have got life experience and business experience greater than my own, that when it happened and I'm freaking out, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, I've got family to support and bills to pay and I've got this and I've got, I've got, you know, responsibilities. Um, I was fortunate to be able to turn to some people that knew and had been through similar things. Yeah. So, you know, I remember getting told one of my good friends, um, was like, you know, he'd been through similar things before and he was like, look, trust me, like, this this will blow over, you know, it's it, 
feels horrible and threatening and legal stuff and you know he went but at the end of the day like the worst that can possibly happen here the worst case scenario is this goes against you and you've got this big bill yeah and either you've got to be resourceful which you are to be able to survive financially or worst worst case scenario you can't and you kill and you, and you have to fold the business like that's not yeah. not you don't want to have to do that but you work that is your worst case scenario and then you just got to get, get back on and start again which yeah. i didn't want to do um and in the end fortunately i didn't have to because i was resourceful enough to work it out but like once i think that the the advice i'd give to somebody who's in like a tough spot no matter what it is and might be different to mine once you've made your peace with the worst case scenario everything after that's much much easier yeah like even though i'm i'm very much i'm all for positive thinking and you know visualizing things you want and then go and create it i actually think there's some there is some merit in looking at what is the worst case scenario here like if it all went against me what's the worst case scenario and let's think through what i would do in that case practically and make my peace with that as long as you're okay with the worst case scenario anything else that happens now is going to be fine um but i think a lot of the time you know we're trying we're so, we're so desperately trying to avoid that worst case scenario because we're so fearful of it um that we we actually can't think logically and practically and for me i've always given advice of if the worst case scenario happens yeah. there's always a way back and you come back bigger and stronger and I, yeah. I i don't think people can ever move on from the worst case scenario before it happens can they that's the trouble yeah. and i think you know it's 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 easy to say and and here even it's very easy to you know the, the theory of look you know every every successful entrepreneur you can think of has either gone broke or been very close to that point they've been in big trouble um, everyone's had to deal with that at some point. Um, so like, but I remember at the time, those words were not that comforting to me. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, in the moment. So I think you've got to think, um, again, you know, I credit Tony Robbins a lot. I learned a lot from him in my younger days. And he goes, look, the, the biggest problem is, um, most people, when they're in a tough spot, they're seeing things worse than they really are. Yeah. Um, and he goes, look, like the, the smart play is, first of all, you've got to see the thing as it is, no better or worse, like facts. Rather than your imagination of what might happen next, let's get really clear and, and look at what's really going on here, what are the facts, what's the worst case scenario, let's get comfortable. Then let's think about our ideal outcome, our, where we want it to be, the best case scenario, and then let's work out logically, how can we map from where we are now to that best case scenario? Yeah, uh, and and I think having that that approach, um, you know, he often talks about leaders. Le- you know, leaders do not see things worse than they really are. They also don't really see things better than they are. They see them as they are, for yeah. proof, and then they make a picture of it, the best case scenario, and then they make it the way they see it. Um, and I think that that philosophy, that approach to dealing with um, difficult situations, has always served me really well. Does it ever, it, does your mindset ever revert back to the problems you had knowing, so your business now is probably 10x even more than where it was. Do you ever sometimes worry about going back to where you were, but on a bigger scale? You know what? Um, it's a great question, by the way. So I, look, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to say here. As you were asking the question, I had some, some thoughts. So one is, um, I watched a, a, an amazing video recently. It was recommended to me by my coach, actually. Um, uh, and I forget the name of the video or the name of the guy, um, but it was a TEDx talk about imposter syndrome. And the guy delivering it, I don't know if you've seen it, the guy delivering it is like super, <clears throat> super successful, like billion dollar company in Australia, like super, super achiever. Um, and he was sharing how he goes, look, it, it never goes away. It doesn't matter how big you make it. Um, and of course, you know, everyone's perception of big is different. And when you're yeah. just starting out, your perception of big is doing, you know, a hundred grand yeah. a year. When you do a hundred grand a year, you know, that's not that much. And you 
perception of Biggie's a million. And when you're doing a million a year, your perception of Biggie's five or 10 million. And, and so his perspective was that never ends. You're always going to look at, there's always going to be somebody that you could look at and go, they've achieved something I haven't. And who am I? And I'm not big enough or successful enough, whatever. That never goes away. No matter what. And by the way, not just in business, like in your health, you know, if, yeah. You, know, you, you, know, you, you get really obsessed about getting ripped <coughs> and in great shape. There's always going to be somebody who's in better shape than you are. So yeah. comparing yourself to somebody else, never helpful. That's always going to end with you feeling inadequate. Um, what was the second thing I was going to say? Um, I've completely forgotten. But the first thing I think was good in its own right. Imposter syndrome never goes away. You're always going to experience it as long as you compare yourself to other people. But... I actually don't think comparing yourself to other people is necessarily a bad thing because sometimes it shows you how far you've cut as well yeah. and actually builds self-esteem. So I don't think it's a bad thing, but you've just got to check. You've got to realize that there's always going to be perspective, different perspectives on where you are right now, um, depending on where you look. Yeah. yeah. Ask the question yeah. again. I'll remember the second thing. <laughs> Ask you the question again. Um, it's, in terms of where you are now and in terms of where your business is now, how do you operate differently now to when you were a lot smaller? Oh, the question I've just remembered was, do I ever fear the setback? Yeah, do you ever, do you ever fear a setback? Let me give you that. Let me give you the answer to that because that was my second point. My second point was that I stopped fearing the worst when it actually happened. So the, the second scenario that I didn't tell you about was um, 2015, I was in a business partnership with a friend of mine. We parted company, relatively amicable, but look, clearly you wouldn't part company if everything was going perfect. Um, and long story short, it ended up that I went from having a multi seven figure business in this partnership overnight um, to absolute lost everything, starting from scratch, got no money, no staff, yeah. no customers, nothing. Um, Last five years, rebuilt. The current, the current business is now bigger than that one was before. Um, I've done it my own way. It's my company. You know, uh, uh, the culture, the team, the clients, everything we do, I'm incredibly proud of it. And I genuinely believe that that felt at the time like the worst day I'd ever had in business. And I truly believe that was my best day because yeah. it freed me to create what I've created. Um, so the question of, you know, do I fear losing it? Look, don't get me wrong. Like, if the powers that be, whatever you believe in, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, are listening, I don't want to go back there. Like, <laughs> I'm really happy with my lot right now. Yeah. But I'm not fearful of it. Because right now, straight up, you could strip away my customers, my team, all the assets I've built, strip it all away. But the one thing you can't take away is the skill set I've developed. Yeah. Resourcefulness I've got. Like, I, I know that no matter what happens, I will be able to, always be able to, because I've got, you know, a lifetime of experience. I'll always be able to start something fresh, take it to market, sell it, deliver it at a world-class level, make the finances add up and, and run a relatively successful business that yeah. can support my family. I know I can. So like the greatest gift I was ever given was losing everything. Do you think? Genuinely, I wouldn't want to, but there yeah. is not an ounce of fear in my body about that happening. Because I go, yeah, I've, I've lived through the worst case scenario and survived, yeah. came out better the other side. Do you think, I, I often say this and maybe business partner, I, I believe is once you learn how to make money, you never forget it. And that's obviously the skills you've developed over the years. Once you've built a seven figure or multi seven figure business, you could do it again because you know how. Yeah. And, but it's also not just about money. It's like literally I, I, I've told this story recently. It's five years, it's five years, like last week. Um, that this happened. So the 7th of July, 2015 was the day I started from scratch again um, with nothing. And it took me five years to rebuild. Um, and the truth is that like that, I was not just, not just about money. I wasn't just business wise on my, you know, on my ass as I would say. Yeah. Um, 
but like emotionally, mentally, self-confidence, relationship, like I was in a bad place. So to be yeah. able to recover from that, and by the way, I say recover in five years, but in reality, it was like two. Yeah. Like, it went from, like we, were, we were back on track within two years. Um, Do you think your mind's stronger now than it was before because of that? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and look, I, I really believe that the more adversity challenges you have to go through, the stronger your mindset gets. Um, and I'll come back to what I said way earlier at the start of this. I've been extremely blessed, probably because I've been lucky enough to been around you know amazing people and build great relationships for you know 25 years now um in those times i've been able to turn to and lean on people who are phenomenal human beings that have been through everything that i've been through and worse that can give me words of encouragement advice give me here's what i would do you know ask me great questions um you know and, and just help me realign so I really think that, you know, it's cliche, but like, you know, you are the sum of the people you surround yourself with. And yeah, yeah. I'm very, very fortunate to be around, you know, to have some amazing people around me, both family, friends, business colleagues, that, you know, no matter what's going on, they've, they've got my back. He's a bit of a question, because obviously, you know, in terms of the, the events that you put on, do you think there's enough events for young people or do you think there's enough influence for younger people? I.e., I'm in the education space, so um, you know, kind of fourteen to to well, any anywhere in adult education, but fourteen to nineteen in terms of apprenticeships. Um, I don't believe there's enough going on for entrepreneurs in that space. Would you ever look at doing something for younger people in that space? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, actually, um, again, there's so much detail in the story that I've kind of skimmed over but my first business which failed dismally was as a youth coach so you know i came out of whatever my 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 teenage years um being around nlp and coaching tony robbins and all that kind of stuff i went right i'm now going to set up a business coaching teenagers and kids that are struggling because i've been very lucky to go through that that journey myself Um, but i didn't know anything about business or sales or marketing and so ultimately you know that business failed and that's when i ended up taking the job um, working in sales. So I realized that was a skill yeah. I needed to learn to fulfill the vision. Um, but, you know, in answer to your question, I think, I don't think there is enough. I think, you know, there are more. What's great is good information and education and inspiration is more accessible now than it's ever been. Yeah. And that's regardless of whether you're 12 or 13 years of age or 40 or 50. Um, you know, kids are watching YouTube and, you know, if you but if you look for some amazing inspirational entrepreneurs on Instagram and TikTok, and so I think it is more accessible now than it ever has been. When I was a kid, the only way that I could get access to that kind of information was reading books or listening <clears> to tape <throat> sets or traveling to America to seminars. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't the easy access there is now. So I think it is more accessible. For me, the, the big thing that I would like to see um, and I think needs to happen is. Um, some kind of um, change or shift in the in the education system, um, you know. And you know, my kids are seven and eleven, and my, my my oldest is just about to go to high school. And I know they've actually got at his school a mo- you know, a module, a class called personal development. Well, that's amazing. I don't know what the content is, <laughs> um, so you know. Might, but and again, you go like you know, they've got all these different modules for different you know uh, life skills they're going to teach but you know i i think genuinely that in schools they should learn that there is a career path other than university and get a job called entrepreneurship that's a choice that's available i think they should learn about how to manage money like actually practically managing money and they should learn about compound interest and how this works because no one teaches you that stuff yeah um, and I think they should learn about, you know, again, though, it's all perspective. I go, what the government thinks is good advice on nutrition and health is very different to what yeah. I think is good advice on nutrition and health. So who sets the parameters? Who sets the guidelines? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think, you know, a lot of what I've been very lucky to learn about mindset and how you're, you know, how you're wired, how your brain works, um, 
I, I think you know that really really should be taught in schools and if not it just needs to be made even more accessible and you know one of the things that um, I would love to do more um, you know our expert empires events we, you know we make we make them open to um, I think you know the minimum age uh, for entries like 12 so we do allow teenagers to yeah, come yeah. Um, but and we have had kids come to them um, I mean, one of the things that I'd love to do, and I think really we should, I'm glad you asked the question because it's put it back in my focus. I think we should, um, you know, make more of a concerted effort to attract young people to come to those events. My, my kids come to the events. Um, yeah, yeah. And they love it. And uh, I think we should make more of a concerted effort to do that. And um, yeah, thank you for asking and putting it back in my focus. Um, but it's always been a passion of mine as somebody that, I, I, don't, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that as a young person benefited more than I did from an alternative education. And so, you yeah. know, I do think it's my duty to pay it forward and pass it on. There, there are some people out there that do it. Um, so, you know, I'll shout out uh, uh, an amazing guy called uh, Jermaine Harris, um, who is actually a client of ours, um, who runs events for kids um, and teaches personal development. And, and the way that he does it is amazing. So there are people out there doing it. I guess the, the challenge is like I don't feel that anyone's really cracked it yet on a big scale. Yeah, yeah. And made it work as a bit. The fact is, you've got to make it work as a business. You do. Like, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of. Um, it's something I really, really, I dislike it. Is that it's almost like if you have massive financial success helping people, then in some ways that's wrong. And for me, the opposite is true. Actually, if you want to help people on a huge scale, you have to make it financially successful. Otherwise it's not sustainable. And no, so, you know, I think I would love to see somebody, um, you know, be the next Tony Robbins or whoever the person is that you admire and follow specifically for young people and make a storming success of a business doing it. Um, I think the challenge is that still the, um, you know, the, the kind of the stuff that I'm, talking about here is still not that mainstream. It's getting more mainstream with podcasts and, um, and, and stuff like that. But I, I do think it's still not that mainstream. And until we have more parents like, learn, like immersing themselves in personal development, self-improvement, well-being kind of stuff, until we get more parents involved in it, then it's far less yeah. likely to pass on to the kids. And that was, that was why I was so lucky. My mum, got into, you know, I think she went to her first Tony, Tony Robbins seminars in 1992 when I was yeah. 10. So, like, I was just fortunate to be around that. And um, I think the more accessible we make it to more people mainstream, and then the more accessible it will become to kids. Yeah, great. Um, what's one of been your biggest highlights of your business career? Um, yeah, probably not as many as the... The, the the setbacks that you mentioned earlier, um, yeah. but no, I think the one the one that always comes up for me when everyone anyone any, whenever anyone asks that question, um, as I said, you know, had a massive setback, biggest one of my career in 2015, um, and less than two years later, um, I ran my what was then my biggest event ever. Uh, we had Gary Vaynerchuk as the headline speaker. It was the biggest financial risk i'd ever taken on anything yeah um and it was also the biggest success i'd ever had up till that point in business was that um, a make or break uh, you know what um you could say it was make or break but the truth is it was the culmination of 20 years experience in the industry 20 plus years experience in the industry um and so it was a combination of like, I knew what I was doing. It wasn't my first rodeo. I was surrounded by amazing people. I was able to tap into all the relationships I've built over the years, help me um, promote, market, fill, run that event. You know, I was, I was calling favors from everybody you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Like financially, it was a big commitment for me to do it. I managed to um, get interestingly, I won't bore you with the full story, but it was good. it was going to cost me two hundred grand to do the event. I didn't have two hundred grand, but I managed to tap into some of my relationships to get financial backing. Now, interestingly, yeah. in the end, I was resourceful enough that I didn't need the financial backing, but 
I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have been brave and bold enough to take the action if I'd not had the security that the financial backing gave me. So it, I think it was a, effectively, it was a culmination of 20 years of building relationships, yeah. literally everything from what I learned as a 12 year old at Tony Robbins on how to run world-class events through to working for Andy Harrington in sales and learning how to sell tickets to events to um, on the phone to public speaking experience, which stood me in good stead when I hit the stage in front of that big room to relationships I built with people that sponsored the event and spoke at the event and promoted the event for me and supported me and backed me to people that opened the doors to other speakers that I could never have got if I'd just been doing it for the first time. Or it was literally the culmination of 20 years in yeah. one event. Um, and it was, it was without a doubt, it, I've done some amazing things since um, that have been incredible. And, you know, what we've built now with the team and the clients is, is you know, really like, far greater than that. But in terms of highlights, you're never going to beat that because I don't think I ever had so much at stake on one event. Um, and so, and because it was the first big thing, it felt to me like um, I'm a big football fan. It felt to me like when Leicester City nearly got relegated and then the next season won the league, it's like it was just such a phenomenal turnaround. That's the stuff that like they make yeah. movies about. Um, and so, you know, I, d I don't think I'll ever have that dramatic a turnaround again. So at, just that's it. At what point did you know you'd pulled it off? Um, there's actually a photo which is one of my it's my favorite photo um and by the way we, we're just we're just about to open our new training center um and we're picking what photos are going to go on the wall and i need to remember that this photo has to be on the wall so i'm going to make a note of it now um there's a photo um i get goosebumps just thinking about it um I'd, i've just introduced so it's two-day event amazing full house the energy is incredible like I've just introduced Gary Vaynerchuk as the keynote speaker, the headliner at the very end, the place is going wild. And I walk off stage and like, in, you can see the photo behind me, Gary's on stage and people are going wild. And I'm just walking away, having a little moment to myself. And I literally, I know after that photo was taken about 10 seconds later, I went and sat on my own in the corner on the floor and just cried. Cause it was like it's, yeah. all of two years, of going from absolute zero and come, yeah. come full circle. And um, yeah, that, that was that was the moment really. And, and I think that was the moment, by the way, that's not to say we haven't had setbacks since, of course, but that was the moment where I realized that what I created was something really special. Um, and like all we've really done from that day on is just build on top of it. Mm -hmm. Who Who's one of the, the best speakers you've, you've booked? Um, I mean, we've been so lucky. There's been so many. The, my favourite, I think my favourite has been David Goggins. Um, Good one. He, he's a beast. And I'll tell you what my favourite part about it um, was I booked him and um, like I, I chatted to him on Zoom like we are uh, briefly before. Um, interviewed him actually to promote the event. Um, but we hadn't really talked about the talk. And so I, I I went and chatted to him about 20 minutes before he was due to go on stage. And I was like, great. So, you know, just so I can introduce you best, yeah. like, what are the big things they're going to get from the talk? And he was like, well, I thought you were interviewing me on stage. And I'm like, well, <laughs> shit, I haven't prepared for that. And I don't have any questions or anything. So I literally had to come up with some questions in like 15 minutes before he comes on stage. Um, but I tell you what, it's the best interview I've ever done. And I've done hundreds of interviews the best one I've ever done. And I'm so grateful that actually by chance, I was given the opportunity to do it as an interview because it actually formed, um, I launched my podcast a few weeks back. You probably saw yeah, it. And actually one of, the, uh, one of the launch episodes was that interview with Goggins, which was an absolute, it was an unbelievable interview. Um, and, and I think in terms of like, I've hired some big name speakers, paid a lot out in fees, but in terms of value for money, quality of message. I mean, literally I'm sat there interviewing him. I was asking him the questions that I wanted to hear the answers to. Yeah. Yeah. Literally like I got the chance to climb in his brain for an hour. Um, so value for money, he was incredible. Obviously Gary Vee, you know, like 
that he was the the catalyst really for for everything we've built now. So I'm I'm incredibly grateful to him, and you know we've we've had some incredible speakers. Been so lucky. I mean, I think probably now we're probably into. I think we've done seven or eight. I've lost count. Expert Empires events. So we've probably had you know like. 40, 50 speakers, um, and each one in their own way has been special. Who would, who's out there who you would love to book? Mate, I've made no secret of it. Robbins, I've got yeah. to get Robbins one day before he retires because it would just be, you know, literally from, it'd be, it'd be full circle, it'd be everything from 12 years of age. I remember, I remember the first time I saw like I remember standing on a table at the back in the back of the room, so I could see over the all the crowd and everything, and see, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Like, so for me, that to have that at an expert empires would be pretty special. Who? So you know, he had his sixtieth um, party. Was his sixtieth party not long ago? In terms of Robins um, this year, um, who do you think is the next one to take the mantle from Robins? Uh, it's really hard to answer and I, I don't think I can answer and I'll tell you why because I think he did what he did at a time where the, he was the only show in town now yeah. I'm not saying he was the first Jim Rohn Zig Ziglar there was other people around Brian Tracy Bob Proctor you know people that have been around for just as long as he has if not longer but he was the first person to really take like the kind of coaching NLP expert um, life coach thing to the masses and, and I think now there's so many that I don't think there'll ever be one that will stand head and shoulders above again at that level um, but there's some incredible people out there I mean you know we've had Lewis Howes speak at Expert Empires love Lewis Ed Milet I listened to his podcast he spoke he actually spoke at Expert Empires um, in March although we had to do yeah. it online in the end yeah virtual he's lined up to, to headline one in the future so um, you know, there are some incredible people. I just don't think there'll ever be one that will stand out so much again because there's so many now that, that, are, that are effectively in the space. Um, but there's, you know, there's some incredible people out there, for sure. Great. A um, couple more questions. Um, so who are, who are the kind of the people, the key people that you have around you in terms of your mentors and people that you go to regularly? Yeah, um, great question. I mean, I'm look. I am. I always have um, invested time, money, resource in my own development. Um, I think I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I didn't. You know, I'm, I'm building. I'm building businesses on the on the concept of you know, if you want to be successful in some area of your life, go and learn from somebody that's been there and done it before you. So I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't. So. Um, you know, I mentioned Andy, Andy Harrington, you know, uh, when I worked for him in my tw- early 20s, um, has been a great friend and mentor to me for the last 15 years. Um, man, that's crazy. That we've managed I, t- I, tell, I tell you what, Nick, he, he's the one because you like football. You're, you're, you're picking yourself a business five-a-side team. You're in. Who's your other four players that you're taking with you? Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's that's tough because obviously you know I'd put like you know Branson and and Robbins and people like that. But I think people that I can directly attribute yeah. as my mentors, I think it's a different question. I mean, Andy, I have to give credit to. Um, l- learn a lot from a guy called Keith Cunningham about business. So there was a lot of people I followed in the early days on sales and marketing. Frank Kern, big influence on my career in the early days. Um, but none of the and, not you know, not to take away any of the value of that. You know, I think learning sales and marketing when you're getting started is crucial. But what allowed me to scale from just you know being good at sales and marketing to run a proper business was the financials and understanding about building processes and systems and getting people and culture right. I learned a lot from Keith Cunningham about that. So um, you know, I, I mean, never had direct coaching from him, but attended a lot of his trainings. Um, definitely rate him a lot. Um, you know, now, uh, uh, today, uh, I have a business coach that I, um, that I work with one-on-one, um, who's amazing. Uh, give him a shout-out, Jeff Mask, the amazing Jeff Mask. Um, and I'm part of a mastermind as well. 
uh, that, that I invest in. Again, I think if I didn't invest in group coaching, I'd be a big hypocrite since I, uh, since yeah. I talk about mastermind so much and the power of mastermind. Um, you know, I have uh, somebody that I, that I speak to and see uh, multiple times a week on health, fitness, coaching, personal training. Um, you know, so I think, I think having mentors, coaches, advisors, call them what you will, in different areas of life is just smart, common sense. Yeah, great. And um, final question, what does the next two years look like for business, British Health? Well, I mean, next two years, it, very interesting because, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the immediate, the short term is a little bit unpredictable. But um, I, I believe that, you know, we'll, we'll have a fairly, fairly quick, you know, I mean, when you look at economic cycles, generally recession takes quite a long, you know, it's, it's slow and long. I think this one's probably going to be short and hard. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think you're probably looking at um, economic recovery next year, but, you know, there will be a, a sharp downturn. Um, I think it's been cushioned a little bit. Um, yeah, it does. In the UK in particular with the government doing so much for, for employees and businesses. Um, but I think as soon as the furlough scheme ends, you're going to see mass unemployment and the economy is going to take a sharp dip. Um, in our industry in particular, um, I mean, you know, we're, we're reopening our training center or opening our new training center, um, you know, at the end of July. So we'll start running events socially distanced at that point. Um, yeah. We're 50-50 whether we'll run, uh, whether we'll run our Expert Empires events in the same way this year. Might be next year before we can get back to doing that. Um, but I think, you know, I'd like to think that come 2021, um, my plan, we had a plan for 2020. That plan has been somewhat disrupted. We've had to adapt. My plan for 2020 is now my plan for 2021. So, and I think that's important. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, look, none of us would have wanted the pandemic, the crisis to have happened that's happened. But I think a lot of times now people are so doom and gloom. They're like, oh, it's ruined my business forever. And by the way, there are certain sectors that have been decimated. I'm fortunate that I'm not in one of them. Although, you know, our, our events business has been hit. Yeah. But my perspective on it has been, look, you know, we're going to have to adapt and make the best of what we can this year. Um, but my plan for 2021 is exactly what the plan for 2020 was. And so, you know, it, for me, it's not been a, um, it, it's really just a, it's been delayed and pushed back a little bit. Um, so the next couple of years, I expect, I fully plan and expect to have our companies grow in the same way, on the same trajectory they were due to. It's just a year later than it was going to be. Yeah, great. Well, Nick, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks Dave, for uh, agreeing. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.